History tells the story of the world and of our lives. Sometimes that history goes bump in the night. Broadcasting from the center of oddity and the supernatural in Central Florida, it's the History Goes Bump podcast. Hello, you spectacular people. Welcome to this 362nd episode of the History Ghost Bump podcast, Ghost Tours for the Theater of the Mind. I'm your host, Diane. And this is Kelly. Kelly, we have one of our road trip, we actually visited this place kind of episodes. It was so much fun, and I can't wait to bring this to the listeners. I know. We got to stay in Charleston for one night, and I was like, you know, we really should try to stay someplace haunted. We don't get to stay in a lot of haunted locations very often. This is true. And we splurged a little bit. We did. <laughs> and when I was looking up haunted hotels, up pops the 1837 bed and breakfast. And this actually was the first time I ever stayed in a bed and breakfast. This was my first time as well. And what did we think? It was amazing. It was so charming. And the breakfast left us completely stuffed the following morning. <laughs> it sure did. And actually, I was very pleased that this particular bed and breakfast had its own private restroom because that's my only drawback. Yes. <laughs> that is one reason why I've kind of not wanted to go to one because I'm like, I'm not sure about the community bathroom. Yeah. Thing. But yeah, so each room had its own bathroom. So that was all good. We're clean people. So <laughs> 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 there's some aspects of sharing a restroom that I did not want to partake in. It yeah, experience, let's say. <laughs> <laughs> the other great thing is the old Charleston jail is, of course, in Charleston. I have visited it once before, but you had never been. And the funny thing about this place is they keep saying it's going to close. So it's not going to be available to go on tours there. I went two years ago. People will probably recall we did an episode about that. We did another episode. I think it was episode 55 way back when before we'd ever visited. And then I went with a couple of listeners and we did the tour there and my folks went along as well. And the reason why we made that trip is because we were all talking about how the jail was going to close in like a couple of months. So, right. Got to hurry up and tour yeah, it. This is going to be our last <laughs> chance. So we went and we did it and then it stayed open and they kept running <laughs> tours. And I was like, OK, I guess it wasn't going to close. And it hasn't really changed much from that period of time till now, has it? No, I thought they were going to turn it into an office building and they haven't done anything that I could see inside of it from the last time I was there. So what happened this time is I'd been watching on the Internet because, of course, we got COVID going on, too. So it's limited on, you know, what tours are going on and that kind of thing. So they didn't have anything on their calendars. So we're like, I don't even know if we're going to get to do a tour there. But I said, well, at least go around the outside of it so that you could see what it looks like. Because it's sure. so cool from the it outside. It is very cool. So a couple weeks before we're getting ready to go, I noticed that it had it up on the calendar for a tour. So I'm like, oh, I'm going to do it for sure because Kelly's got to get inside there and see this place. Hot diggity ding. <laughs> so we got that <laughs> scheduled. Well, lo and behold, a couple days before we leave on the trip, Myra and Ken, who we've done a few investigations with in the past, contacts me and she goes, I can get us in from midnight to two to do an investigation. It was so awesome. <laughs> so I was like, okay, we're in. 
Definitely. So I'm like, not only are we going to tour it, we're going to do an investigation too. So we had a lot of fun doing that. But Kelly, I have to say, I went on a tour before. Then we did the tour before the investigation. We went and took a little nap and came back for the investigation. So I've been inside this building three separate occasions. And this is another one of those places where if you ask me my personal opinion, this is me personally, it's not haunted. Well, my opinion differs a little bit. I do believe it's haunted, but the activity was minimal. Yes. At least for us. And as we go into these locations and people talk about all the negative energy and stuff, there there were some portions that we'll talk about that definitely affected me. Mm-hmm. And I did have a couple of experiences, but I don't know if it's our Christian faith or what. We did have our black tourmaline with us, mm-hmm. but we didn't have very much going on at all. No. So we'll get into discussing more details on that as we move along. But before we get into all of that, we need to welcome into the Spooktacular crew, Shelby, Kim, Cody, Xenia, Debbie with an I, Jarrett with only one R, Rebecca, Kaz, Mark, Stacy with an IE, Karen, Katie with an IE, Scott with one T, Josh, Jan, Kathy, Bill, Dan, Jace, David, Jen, Arthur, Chris, Amber, Robert, Scott, and Kyle. Wow. Thank you for joining us in the Spooktacular crew. Well, we haven't had a show in a couple of weeks, so that's partly why we had so many names, too. This is true, but you were looking a little tired reading off that whole list. (laughs) (laughs) And now, this moment, Noddity. The moment in oddity was suggested by Scott Booker. Many of you listeners are probably afraid of spiders, so the idea of a spiderweb bandage might not be appealing, but the truth is that they make a great natural way to protect and heal wounds. The idea of using spiderwebs for bandages started in ancient Greece and Rome. They would first clean the wounds with honey and vinegar and then ball up spiderwebs to cover the wounds. This would dry out the wound quickly. Spiderwebs were perfect for a number of reasons. They are rich in vitamin K, which promotes clotting. They have natural antiseptic and antifungal properties as well. On top of this, the webs are very strong since they are made from silk produced by the body proteins of the spider. If you would like to give this a whirl, you need to find a newly spun web with no insect corpses in it and no spider as well. Ball up the web and stuff it into your wound and cover with a sterile cloth to secure it. You can use warm water to remove the hardened web later. A team at the University of Nottingham developed a synthetic material that resembles spider silk. It took five years. This spider silk is not allergenic or inflammatory. But you have to admit the thought of using spiderweb as a bandage certainly is odd. This is Victoria from victoriaslift.com. When I'm not taking those who must choose their destiny for a ride on the lift, I'm listening to History Goes Bump podcast. History isn't boring, it's terrifying. The past remains with us, and so do its spirits. Can you hear them calling? They want you to know their stories. Listen now to their voices and the truth from the past. And now, this month in history. 
In the month of November, on the 9th in 1989, the Berlin Wall came down. Yes, it pains us, too, to realize that this event happened 30 years ago. Oh, my word. Man, we are getting old. (laughs) Yes, we are. Many of you listeners probably remember this time, which really wasn't so long ago, that the country of Germany was split in two, with East and West Germany being separated by an actual stone wall with barbed wire. Construction of the wall began in August of 1961. East Germany was headed by communists, and they wanted to keep what they referred to as fascists from coming into East Germany and undermining their socialist state. What it actually did was imprison the people of East Germany, many of whom tried to escape. The East German Communist Party announced on November 9, 1989, that their citizens could cross the border whenever they wanted, and that evening, a newly freed people did what President Ronald Reagan told the General Secretary of the Communist Party of the Soviet Union, Mikhail Gorbachev, to do. Mr. Gorbachev? tear down this wall. People hammered and picked at the wall, breaking off chunks. Bulldozers and cranes moved in and took care of the rest. What followed was the greatest street party in history as two million people went from East Berlin to West Berlin. A Berliner spray-painted on the wall, only today is the war really over. And that was talking about World War II. Absolutely. The 1837 bed and breakfast in Charleston, South Carolina is the former home of a cotton planter. The style of the home is a great example of the Charleston single home. Although this was not a plantation, it still had slaves that lived on the third level, and there are stories that claim that a mother and father were sold off to another planter, leaving their nine-year-old son without his parents. He may have tried desperately to find them and ultimately lost his life. Those stories claim that he is still here at the house acting like a poltergeist pulling pranks on visitors and perhaps even appearing as footsteps on the bedspread. While in Charleston, we couldn't pass up the chance to visit the old Charleston jail. This was Diane's second visit, as we stated, and my first, and we got to do an investigation there. Join us as we share the history and investigation at the 1837 Bed and Breakfast and the old Charleston jail. The neighborhood where the bed and breakfast is located was developed in the 1840s and was called Harleston Village because the original owners of the land were the Harleston family. This was a family that had been in Charleston a long time. A golf course had been on the land called Harleston Green. The 1837 bed and breakfast was thought to have been built in 1837, but after a visit from some descendants of the original owners, it was discovered that the house was built in 1798. Of course, Kelly, they didn't change the name because, well, that would be marketing suicide, really. Indeed. When everything about you, all your logos and every presence that you have on the internet is 1837 bed and breakfast, you can't just change it to 1798 bed and breakfast. The builder of the house was Henry Mockenfuss. That is a wonderful last name. (laughs) Good grief. (laughs) My oh my. He was a German immigrant who built many properties in the area. The house was built in the federal style and as a single house, which was popular in Charleston. And Kelly, we saw these single homes everywhere. Yes, we did. 
It is amazing how these are built. So the best way for us to describe this is they were built with a narrow side that ran two or three bays wide with a gable end along the street and then a longer side that was perpendicular to the street and running five bays. That's how they would describe the sizing of them. The design worked well here because the main part of Charleston was laid out with long, narrow lots. So basically what you're doing is if you're sitting on your front porch, you're looking over at the back of your neighbor's house. This is true. Which is very weird for us because we're used to front porches (laughs) facing across the street to another front porch usually. Right. It's a little unusual. Yeah. So when you come up to the house and you're going to the front door, you've got to go up the side and then you go towards the front. Single houses all have the same basic layout inside with the house being one room wide inside. There'd be two rooms on each floor with each floor designed the same way. There'd be one room to the side and then one to the rear of the house. Many of the houses had multiple porches or what they call piazzas in Charleston. So I thought it was interesting they call their porches piazzas there. This single house that we stayed in is a little bit different, but it's because it's been modified since it became the bed breakfast. The next owner of the house was thought to be Martin Hurlbert, a schoolmaster. He sold it in 1818 for $3,000 to Nicholas Cobia, a cotton planter. In 1842, Nicholas's wife Anne leased the house to Miss Margaret Cobia along with two slaves known as Mary and Nancy. Eventually, Anne's nephew, Henry Cobia, inherited the house along with a slave named Fanny and her six children. In the early 1900s, the former mayor of Charleston, William Wilman Shermer, owned the house and he converted it into a boarding house, connecting the carriage and kitchen house to the main house and adding a rear third story. During World War II, the house served as an apartment building for shipbuilders in the Navy Yard. In 1856, the house was turned into a beauty shop on the first floor and probably rented rooms above. In 1983, Sherry Weaver and Richard Dunn bought the house and converted it into the bed and breakfast it is today. The bed and breakfast has its dining room, kitchen, and parlor on the first floor of the main house. There are three guest rooms on each of the second and third floors. And there are rooms in the carriage house with two on the bottom and one on the second floor. We stayed in one of the first floor rooms in the carriage house. We were greeted by Muhammad, who owns the inn with his wife, Lynn. That's so cute. That's so cute. Hello. Hello. Hey. How are you all doing? Good. Hello, how are you? Checking in? Yes. Welcome. The house is beautiful and very welcoming inside, with the kitchen and dining room being an open concept design. The formal parlor of the main house contains many of the original design elements like the red cypress cornice, wainscoting, and the black marble fireplace. During renovations, the cypress was stripped from a scaffold with heat gun, sanded, and oiled with tongue oil. The front door opened into a small entryway that has the narrow stairs leading up to the other levels. I couldn't believe how narrow those stairs were. They really were, but the doors were as well. It was double doors, but the doors were, gosh, maybe a third of the size of a normal standard door these days. Yeah, so I wonder to myself how they ever got furniture up to those other floors. No idea. And it was a wraparound staircase, too. It was. Maybe through a window? Maybe. Hoisted? Yeah. I just don't know how else. (laughs) (laughs) I really don't know. And as we said, there were three rooms up on the second and third floor, but typically there was only two in the past. So that's what got added on when they made it into a bed and breakfast. And, of course, they put the carriage house butted up right against the house, which it had not been before. Right. It was separated years ago. Yeah. The medallion on the ceiling in the entry hall is original, and it took four days to clear the old paint away with a dental tool during renovations. Good grief. That's a tedious job. Yeah. I just, I wonder how many layers of paint were there. 
Portions of the plaster cornice had been cut years ago to put in a partition and had to be replaced and rebuilt with plaster. The plaster is original and has been mixed with horsehair, as we've discussed in other episodes. That's an original way to make the plaster and strengthen it. The wood floors are made from wide planks of heart of pine. The house boasts that these planks are among the widest in the city, with one in the dining room measuring 14 inches wide. And I wish we'd known that ahead of time so I could find that one. Right. Now, I believe I've heard before, when I went to Casadega, they were talking about this house that was built all from heart of pine, and it is a really tough, durable pine. I believe it is so tough, you can't even hammer into it. You have to drill the hole and then hammer into the holes. I've heard that before also, and I'm not familiar with the house itself, but I do know that about heart of pine. So imagine laying floors that are like that. (laughs) Good grief. Would have taken a while. Muhammad gave us a little tour outside as he took us to our room. This is our carriage house building. We have two rooms on the ground floor, carriage house one, carriage house two, and upstairs is called carriage house three, and it's a one-bedroom suite. The whole upstairs is uh, the size of these two combined. Wow. It's a one-bedroom suite. That section of it is living room. This little window here is this bathroom with a you know, shower and commode. Was this original with the house, the carriage house? It was, yes. The whole thing was built in 1798, so it's 220 years old. Wow. But there was a gap between this and the house. That area was with shutters was open. Okay. That was part of the yard. Okay. Because uh, these were slave quarters and kitchen. Gotcha. The kitchen had to be separate from the house mm-hmm. so it wouldn't catch a fire. Set it on fire. The house wouldn't catch a fire. What did you think of the room, Kelly? I loved it. (laughs) For those of you who are in the Spooktacular crew, we did a little Facebook Live to show you what it looked like and did a little video of the outside, too. Had all that exposed brick and just It was just amazing. It just takes you back in time. I just loved every bit of it. And, of course, there's all antiques inside, too. There sure were. And it was a four-poster bed with a beautifully embroidered or actually crocheted, I would say. Yeah. Covering. Yeah, Yeah. canopy over it. It was just gorgeous. Yeah. It wasn't a huge room, but it was... Just perfect for us. It absolutely was. We settled in a bit and then decided we would try to get some communicating going with any spirits at the house. The ghost stories about this bed and breakfast seem to center around just one ghost, and he is known by the name of George. The backstory for George is not verified, nor does anyone know if any part of the legends are true. But here is what people claim is a story about George. George's parents worked inside the house, and they lived on the third floor. George worked out in the stables and ran errands. He had time to play, so life didn't seem so bad for him, taking into account that a nine-year-old boy didn't know anything other than slavery. For some reason, the cotton planter decided to sell off George's parents and keep George. One can imagine how upsetting this was. And there are two versions of how George reacted. In the first, George hears that his parents are aboard a slave ship in Charleston Harbor. He leaves the house and manages to find an empty rowboat and starts rowing towards the ship. In the process, he falls out of the boat and drowns. In another version, George runs away and is eventually captured and thrown into the barracoon in the heart of Charleston. A barracoon was a barracks-like building for housing slaves. While he was in there, he could have gotten sick and died, or his owner might have retrieved him and he lived a very short life back at the house. Whatever happened, people are pretty sure that a nine-year-old boy is running around the bread and breakfast in the afterlife. Guests have heard the incessant rocking of a rocking chair outside their rooms that only stops when someone shouts, Stop that rocking, George. No one has seen George, but they hear his footsteps. He likes to shake guest beds and he opens and closes doors. He turns the TVs on by themselves, too. 
There are other noises that might be caused by something else, and this usually entails hearing the crack of a whip, unfortunately. Chandeliers tend to sway on their own, too. Most of the activity is said to occur on the third floor. We feel like we did get some kind of communication with the spirit, wouldn't you say, Kelly? Absolutely. We're going to play a little bit of the audio from that. So, yes is crossing. So when you cross the metal, it means yes. When you push it away, so when it goes like this, that means no. And in between, I'd, I'd appreciate it. You don't have to. I can, I can close it out and make them straight, but I'd appreciate it if you move them straight back out before answering another question. Is there a spirit with us today? I feel like this one's having a hard time moving. Thank you very much. Do you mind straightening them back out? Thank you. I appreciate that. Oh, it's lighting up. It's going crazy. Do you know what this device is? It just went all the way up to red just by itself. Do you know what this light is right here that we have going? If you come close to it, you can light it up to the color red. It's like a rainbow. Yeah, <laughs> and it won't hurt you if you touch it. No, it won't hurt you at all. But it'll let us know that you're here. I mean, obviously you're answering our questions too. <laughs> right. I'm Diane, by the way. Yes, and I'm, I'm Kelly. My name is Kelly. And we're just staying in Charleston for one night tonight. We uh, are going to eat at a restaurant here, and we're going to go to the old Charleston jail and do a tour there. Yes. And maybe see if we can talk to some spirits there, too. Yeah, we'll see. We like to talk to spirits if they like to talk to us, too. Absolutely. It helped a little bit. Thank you. If you you come a little bit closer, you might be able to get it to light up a little bit more. They may be waiting for another question. So, as I asked before, is this a boy or male spirit? I this for some reason I don't know if it's this one always feels, feels like, like it's it, sticking. Yeah, it it sticks. It flipped a little bit again. You can also tell us yes if you want to say yes. You could light this up for us too. Yeah, just use your energy and get close to it. It's it's trying to go. Thank you. That was a big swing. Thank right. you very much. That's, I appreciate that. Needs a little bit firmer hand, I guess. Yeah, I don't know if it takes too much energy sometimes. Maybe some spirits. We read some stories about this place, and we'd heard that there was a boy who had once worked here who was named George. Do you recognize that name, George? You can either answer by crossing the dousing rods for yes, or if you want to touch this. (laughs) Okay. Thank you very much. We appreciate that. We really appreciate that you're taking the time to talk to us and using your energy to communicate. We heard that you used to work in the stables, and we're in the carriage house... So, oh, Hard yes. yes. So we you. assume this is kind of the area where you used to work. Did you live in the big house that's right next to us here? Remember, if you want to say no, you push them away towards... There you yeah, go. You can yep. push them towards her shoulders outward. Yep. There you go. Just like that Good if job. you want to say no. Good job. Thank you. So you didn't you. live in the house. Okay. It might be George. Although, supposedly, they lived on the third floor. Well, yeah, but it could just be this building and associating yeah. with that. And clearly something changed over there because they had to have extended it now that they both put up against each other. And the other thing also, we have this, which is a voice recorder, which we may not hear you talk to us directly, but oftentimes, did you see a flip? Mm -hmm. But oftentimes, if you try to manifest and speak into that, 
when we play it back, we'll be able to hear you. So what we'd like is if you could say how old you are and you just speak right into it and you can say, you know, if you're six or eight, nine, ten, older than well, let's that. Let's just ask if it's George first. Okay. Because he did just say that he recognized the name George. Right. So is this George that's with us right now? Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Oh, and you're pushing him back out. Good job. You got the hang of this. Yeah. Very clever. Way to go. <laughs> Smart boy. Or should, well, I don't know. Do you age when you're in spirit form? I mean, we don't really know. I don't know. I don't want to call you a boy if you consider yourself a man, so I apologize if that was rude. <laughs> we have three dogs. We do. At our house. <laughs> I, I was wondering, did you have a dog? Or was there a dog on the property that you like to play with? Are you still... It feels like it's trying to go to yes. Can you see it wobbling? I can feel like pressure like pushing against it. I wonder, is there more than one spirit here? George? I mean, if you want to say no, you just swing them out to her shoulders. Yeah. And it's okay if you don't like dogs. If yeah. you're afraid of dogs or, you know, you didn't have one that you like to play with. Because sometimes ranch dogs can be, you know, more of a working type animal. I know something that young people like to do is the river is right down here. Oh, yeah. Did you ever go and play by the river? There we go. Thank you. I'm tired. sorry. If it, well, I mean, I don't know how much energy it takes to, you know, reach out and communicate. Thank you very much. And this is still George, right? You can just cross the X's harder instead of a brand new move if it is. So, like, you can just push them more instead of having to move them all the way out. Oh, is this not George? Okay, sorry. Let me reword. Is this still George that we're talking to or that I'm talking to? <laughs> I just brought up the rods and went straight to yes. So, maybe he is working on the flashlight. Thank you. I don't want to stand in your way. You just come over and just... He, just, he, put it, that he just put it straight out. Thank you very much. So, I I don't want to remind him of, mm -mm. yeah. And I don't know, I don't know the details. If that was certain. And I don't know the details of, yeah. or you, you're talking about asking about. His parents. Yeah. Yeah. Were there other kids in the area that you liked playing with? Okay, right there, I thought I heard a whisper when I was replaying this back. I'm going to go ahead and replay that original section. Yeah. Okay. Were there other kids in the area that you liked playing with? And let me play it one more time. Yeah. Okay. Were there other kids in the area that you liked playing with? And now here it is amplified so that you can hear that whisper a little bit better. 
Were there other kids in the area that you liked playing with? And I'll play it one more time. Were there other kids in the area that you liked playing with? So anytime this happens, I always call Kelly over just to see if she hears anything. So I don't even tell her. I mean, she knows since I'm asking her to listen to something that there's probably something there. So I don't tell her what I think I heard or anything. So I had you listen to it to see if you caught anything. And so when I was listening, what I heard was it was like a breath, like a frustrated sigh. And I... Either I'm so sad, but then listening back again, it sounded like I'm so mad. And it was really weird. When I listened to it the first time, I thought I heard blah, 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 wind, blah, blah, blah. It was so weird because <laughs> I told you. I s- blah, 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 blah. <laughs> so I told you, I said, well, I thought I heard something like wind. And so you're listening again. And you're like, no, I'm. it's either so sad or so mad. Because that's what you heard initially was just so sad, so mad. Mm-hmm. And then we both listened again really hard. And I went, Oh, you're right. I am hearing something like that. And then I listened again. And I'm like, you know, actually, I think I hear a breath. And then I'm almost positive there's an I'm. Yeah, I I agree. And it sounds like just a a frustrated sigh. Yes. And I also thought that it sounded like a young boy. Definitely. So you guys let us know what do you think? Of course, anytime we play EVPs on the podcast, it's always hard to hear because you have other background noise. But if you get a chance to get somewhere where it's quiet and turn up your headphones, see what you think you hear there. We'd love to know. It makes sense that he would be saying something like, oh, I'm so mad or breathing out heavily and I'm so mad because as you guys heard there, we were kind of dancing around talking about his parents because Kelly, we don't like to bring up negative stuff when we're doing uh, an investigation. No, absolutely not. And so that seemed like it was in direct response. Yeah, and it was. it's so hard investigating the way that we do because you want to try to figure out what has happened here. Is this just a legend? Because I couldn't find any proof for any of it. And even when I looked back, all of the slaves' names were female. Right. This George could have been the son of one of them. But there was no father that's mentioned anywhere. And of course, his name doesn't come up. So it's really hard to prove that there was a George there. And then, you know, it's hard to, you don't want to ask a kid, hey, you know, they sold your parents off. What'd you think about that? Exactly. So we were trying to, I don't know, did we think a ghost couldn't hear us kind of whispering to each other about it? (laughs) Well, I think I was hoping that a nine-year-old would not understand that we were talking about it without directly talking about it i mean i was clearly aware i had a feeling like obviously that he would understand and know what we were talking about but at the same time i think that if that was george he could feel that we were trying to be as respectful and cautious around that Mm -hmm. topic as possible and of course we don't hear the evps until after the fact right until we actually got home and then i was like oh if i would have known that we actually were going to get a response to that, then I might have felt like we could kind of tiptoe into it and say, you know, what are you mad about? Or just validated his feelings about that. Right. And then I don't know how we go about asking him how he died without asking how he died. (laughs) Precisely. One of those those things we need to learn a little bit more about to try to get answers without. I don't know if I'll ever really feel comfortable asking that of a spirit just because I, I don't like dredging up negative memories or anything of that nature for anyone. 
we continue with trying to communicate. And while we were doing that, I started doing a Facebook Live so that people could watch the live investigation. And then I went outside to show everybody what the bed and breakfast looked like. But you stayed in the room and continued to talk to George and you got a little emotional. I did. So I was just having a conversation with George with the dowsing rods. And so, you know, as a mom, I was asking him you know, during the time frame that he was able to play what he liked to do and, and, you know, delving into that. And I was just. So what you guys can't see is we're recording here is obviously Kelly is a mother. And so talking to a young child who's lost his parents and you can only imagine what that would be like. And also we're talking to a child who was a slave. So they don't, they didn't get to be kids. You know, they, all they did was work and work and work. And like we said, at least the legend seems to claim that George did get to go out and play occasionally and hang out by the river. And we did ask questions about that. But it was just hard as you were thinking about those things in regards to a kid and how he would feel about that kind of stuff. The other thing that I think we learned through this investigation especially here. And then we're, we got some amazing interactions at the Marshall house. You guys are going to love that episode when we get to it. It would seem that spirits have different levels of what they're able to do. It almost reminds me of the movie ghost where Patrick Swayze has to go and learn how to move through things and how to move objects. And it almost seems like that really might be pretty close to the truth when it comes to the afterlife, because we've been places where we've asked spirits to turn on the flashlight And it's like on and off, no problem at all. And when we did that here at the 1837 bed and breakfast, flashlight never turned on. Same thing at the Marshall house. And so it makes you almost think maybe there's different levels of what they're able to do, which also to me proves the fact that the flashlights don't just turn on because they get heated up. Exactly. The other thing that we learned through, and we'll get into talk about the old Charleston jail here in a minute. The dowsing rods don't necessarily move because your mind is moving them. They certainly do not. Because we had a lot of no interaction with those things. Absolutely. Were there other kids in the area that you liked playing with? It's lighting up. Did you get to play very often or was it mainly work? I'm sorry, did you get to play very often? If you could answer that question. To say no, you pushed them away towards the outside of my body. And to say yes, you cross them. I think he's trying to say no. There it goes. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much for talking with us, George. We really appreciate it. We have a device here, too. If you get close to it, maybe touch it. Yeah, just like that. If you touch that, you might be able to get it to light up to other colors. You can light it up like a rainbow. The second one kind of blipped for a minute. Mm. And then over there near the sink, that black thing there is a flashlight. If you walk over to it and maybe touch it, you might be able to turn it on. We'd love it if you could try to turn that on for us. Yeah, we would really appreciate it. The other device that's sitting here, this one right here, if you speak into it, we might be able to hear what you say when we listen to it later. Yeah, we might not hear it ourselves right now. If this is a female, can you tell us what your age is? Whoever we're speaking to, did you live in this house that's right next to us? 
did you work in this area that we're in right now? This is the carriage house and the stables. Did you work in here? And where the kitchen was. Yes, the kitchen was over here too. Bob wants to know if George likes to hang around the house and the area around here. It's, oh, it was just lighting up like crazy. <laughs> you missed it. I did. I caught the tail end of it, I think. Oh, it just says, yep, you yes, missed it. Yes, <laughs> Bob, George does like to hang around the house in this area. Apparently, just pushed it really hard. So, George, are you back? Is this George? Thank you. Can you push them straight out? I'd appreciate it. I know it seemed like it was kind of hard. Does anybody else have some questions that you'd like to ask George? Oh, we're getting some more activity over here. <laughs> He's pushing it out to know. He doesn't want any more questions. You don't want us to ask you any more questions? Well, okay, he doesn't. That just went Is to... up to? Yeah. Um, okay. But if you're going to hang out here, we sure would like you to play with us. And one of the ways that you can play with us is to turn that he flashlight on. He just did another on. no. You don't want to play? He just pulled these uh, straight and then pushed them back. No. You don't want to play? Oh. Well, you don't have to play if you don't want to. No, we don't want to bother you. No. You don't have to talk to us anymore if you don't want to. But if you would like to play, <laughs> we'd love for you to turn she that really flashlight. Wants you to play. <laughs> I would love you to play with us, George. Would you play with us? I mean, he just said yes. Yeah. Thank you. Do you think he you just could did turn, a double yes. Do you think you could turn that flashlight on? I bet you could. You just walk over there and touch it, I think, is all you have to do. Bob said, thank you, George, for being so nice. I understand that you're a real southern gentleman. Yes, indeed. I was actually talking about playing with him when you were out front. Bob wants to know if there's family here with him. Oh, you just got wow. a little blip on the thing. So you do have family here. A quick yes, too, before I even really had a chance to do it. Yeah, anything. the EMF did a little blip, too. Yeah. Maybe if I aim it this way, we can get you and the EMF together. I was just trying to make sure I could capture the flashlight if it goes off, too. Yeah. <laughs> this room isn't real big, so let me see. Maybe from here? It's kind of hard to see the EMF from over here, but... So you have family here with you, George? Are you still here, George? I think you left again. Hmm. He's tired of answering our questions. Maybe. Oh! oh. <laughs> he did not leave. <laughs> He's tired of I, answering is he our questions. Okay. Are you messing with us? Or are you really wanting us to leave you alone now? Okay, let's start over. Let me ask that properly. Are you playing with us? Do you want us to leave you alone and stop asking you questions? Yes. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much for talking thank with us. Thank you for us. hanging out with us. We appreciate you very much. So it seemed like we didn't really get a whole lot of communication after I came back into the room. I don't know if I scared George off or whatever. He did come <laughs> back for just a little bit, but then we were like, we've got to be off and running because we went and had dinner at Pugin's Porch. What'd you think of that place? Oh my gosh, it was so quaint, so adorable and delicious. Another haunted restaurant and I got my standard shrimp and grits. I've been there three times and I've had shrimp and grits every time. I love it. And of course, we were joined by Myra and Ken, so that was fun. Yeah, that was nice. And although COVID has not been uh, fun for anyone, 
I have to say, it's been kind of nice to be in some of these bigger cities where there's less crowds, less noise, and usually that restaurant is packed full of people and all around the bar, and we were almost the only people in there. Yeah, it was very quiet, and it was it was just lovely. Yeah, it was very nice. The next morning, we went to breakfast, which was delicious and very filling. Oh my gosh, I was stuffed after that breakfast. Everybody, Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? We're doing well. How are you? Did you rest well? We did. We did for the little bit that we did rest. <laughs> yeah, we went to the old Charleston jail and did an investigation oh, there. Oh, did you? Was it fun? It, it was. was a lot of it was fun. really neat. The ghost tour? Yes. Yeah. yeah, well, the investigation, we did the tour. We did earlier. the tour before it, and then we went back at midnight and What's investigated. Just inquiring for spirits and just seeing what kind of activity you yeah, get. Yeah, they, they basically give you the tour, but it's like the enhanced tour, so you get to go into areas that other people don't get to go necessarily. Is it kind of like a seance? No. Not really, because we're, we're not it's into all, that kind of thing. No, so. no. <laughs> it was just basically, and then they kind of let you do your own thing, and you just walk around. And Did you experience anything? For me, I would say it's not haunted, because I, I don't really... That's your personal thing, though. But yeah. we... Uh, <laughs> We had a couple of friends with us that have done it a, a few times, and she says she always gets lots of activity. And I think I, it's a matter of belief. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I've been in other places where I've had some, and I don't even necessarily, when you have much. something weird happen, believe that it's a ghost as much as it's, it could be, I don't know how science and the time-space continuum works. If Who knows? Maybe yeah. you're seeing something from another time period. Right. I'm kind of like, okay. I leave you alone, you leave me alone. We're okay. Yeah, he's not a believer. So. Well, and we know that there are stories that supposedly you have one yeah. that's supposed George. to be here. Yeah, there's rumor, but the only way I was believing ghosts is that with my own eyes I see something start moving. Sure. Yeah, and understandably. I mean, we're open-minded skeptics, too. So yeah. whenever we okay, are well, experiencing something, we're always trying to figure out how right. to explain it away. Right. With, okay, with well, logical reasoning. People say, um, in the seven years we walked this place, five, six people said they've experienced something. And they experienced, for example, they said somebody, uh, George was running all over the roof, our roof last night. On the roof. Well, our roof is close to the tree. Yeah. Ten million they were on third floor. Yeah. So. Squirrels yeah. jump on the roof and run around and yeah. Sure. Squirrels, I raccoons, probably possums too. But one lady said, you know, I, I I'm positive I put my kids on this night stand, I woke up next morning and was on the other. <laughs> yeah, you, you can't <laughs> you can't confirm that, yeah. I forget why I left my kids every day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Same. <laughs> well you're here every day, so you think if something's happening you'd experience yeah. right. something. Yeah. If you really believe, maybe, I don't know. I just, I, I don't believe. Of course, Lynn's like, Everything well, in Charleston is haunted, so. That's true, when you have an old city. Old. Yeah. That's yeah. what they said. They said almost every house is haunted. That's there. something. Houses are between 150 and 300 years old here. Right. <laughs> well, good y'all had a good time. Thank you. So, clearly, Muhammad does not think that there's any spirits at their location, at their bed and breakfast, and nothing about George to his knowledge. However, as you'll hear during our jail investigation, and this isn't the first time that this has happened, where if your mind were to be controlling the dowsing rods and you're expecting reactions and they don't react, clearly somebody was there having a conversation with us. And our EMF did go off a few times. It did. And we never moved it from the position it was in. So there'd be no reason for it to all of a sudden. It was just sitting on the bed. Yep. 
So something had to have come over to it. We didn't have the TV on there. No. And we had already walked it around the yeah, room. We've done a sweep just to make sure we didn't have any wires somewhere that were nearby. So something, something was going on in that room, whether it's haunted by the spirit of a little nine year old former slave named George. We don't know, but we had someone there with us. We definitely did. So you heard on that exchange that we had the opportunity to investigate the old jail. So our listeners, Myra and Ken, did join us on the investigations at the St. Augustine Lighthouse and the Exchange Hotel, and she contacted us a couple of days before the trip to say we could get into the jail. Joy, our guide, met us there, and we were joined by another young couple who had never been to the jail or investigated anywhere before. We can't remember their names, but the male was a police officer who also was a person of color. And he had a couple of experiences that unnerved him a bit with feeling very dizzy and a little ill on a stairway. There was a set of stairs that seemed to affect Myra and myself, too. As Diane told Muhammad and Lynn, she didn't experience anything that she would equate to a haunting. This was her second time there, with nothing unusual happening. So, for Diane personally, she can't say the jail's haunted. So why don't you share a little bit about what that set of stairs made you feel like? So, on the third floor... There is kind of a branched off set of stairs, essentially. And you can go in the one direction, which takes you into that red lit room where the art students uh, did the testing Mm -hmm. on the walls to... I don't know. They were going to refurbish the walls. So they were trying to get down to the original whatever had been there because there was paint, I think, that was over it. So they were basically trying to get rid of the paint, but... Basically, what it looked like to us is they took off the paint so that it looked like faces <laughs> yeah. and a monkey jumping into the fireplace. Yes, it was crazy. It was some weird stuff. And what was funny is when we did the tour, I have to say, the first tour I did there was with Randy, who is actually Joy's fiance. Randy and Joy are amazing tour guides. They know this place backward and forward. They take you into all different kinds of places. I think we got to go into more places with the investigation than on the tour. Definitely. But when we did the tour before the investigation, we got outside and I looked at Myra because it had been two years since I'd been in there. And I'm like, wasn't there a room that had metal on the walls or something? And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, we didn't go in there. And then I was like, you know, there was this and there were all these rooms downstairs because I remember going into those and we were taking pictures down there to see if we could get any weird pictures and uh, Dina from the Twisted Philly was with me and she thought she got a couple of weird pictures down there that we were looking at and stuff. So I'm like, where'd all that stuff go? <laughs> so I, we got a very abbreviated tour, I guess. Definitely. But Joy was amazing. She did a fantastic job. I really enjoyed her. And, in and, regard- and what I was going to and what I was going to say is the tour guide that we had that took us into this room. He's like, yeah, we're not exactly sure where these images came from. <laughs> right? They're just kind of weird. Like this woman <laughs> looks like she's screaming or something. And I kind of looked over at Kelly and I'm like, I don't think so. They almost look like they were painted on there or something. Right. Uh, it was like reverse painting because they were using different ways to remove it. And just it was part of a refurbation study, I believe, yeah. is what it was. And so in that process, they created these images by breaking through the the paint yeah, to surface. make it more interesting i'm yeah. sure so of course when joy took us on the tour before the investigation she was like this is just what the students had done and right. we we're like that's what we thought but the tour well, guide told watching, us something else i was watching myra and she's shaking her head no yeah no <laughs> <laughs> so i guess there's individual takes on however they're presenting the the tour but it was a great tour it just yes. was a little 
little different information than what. So anyway, there are these, <laughs> yeah. there's the stairway. Now, I think I remember you like go down a set of stairs and then there was like a little like platform area and then you go back up some stairs. Right. So you would, to get to the third floor, there's a, a set of, was it 13 steps going up to that portion? Yes, because the death row would have been up here. Okay. And they had this superstition because there was 13 stairs there that they couldn't touch the bottom stair or it would be bad. I mean, you're going to your death. So I really don't know. You've already reached your bad luck limit. I don't know how much worse it can get other than. But the very and it was just when they were coming down the stairs. Yeah. So they would jump over that bottom stair. Yeah. And you could definitely see that the wear and tear on that step was much less than the rest. And it had no wear and tear from me. Because I can be a bit superstitious, <laughs> so I did jump over that stair every time we came down. I just trudged because I knew that if I tried to jump off and not hit that 13th step, I'd probably <laughs> twist an ankle. Fall on your face or, <laughs> or something. Or fall on my face or on my tailbone or something of that nature. So, yeah. We, anyway. We know moving Kelly on. around here. <laughs> moving right along. You, you go up the 13 steps and there is a platform that breaks off into two additional sets of stairs opposite each other so the one set of stairs goes to the red room where the students were going through the restoration training the other stairs as i would and there was probably what i think seven steps eight steps something like that it was pretty short it was very short but trying to walk up those steps i just felt such a heaviness on my chest like it's pushing me back it my my legs felt like I was slinging through mud, like my quads and everything. And it wasn't just a matter of I had just gone up these steps mm-hmm. and was continuing on up more steps. I mean, I am out of shape, but <laughs> no, you're not. But yes, I am. But that aside, we were up and down the stairs all over the place. Mm-hmm. And this was the only location that that happened. The first time up with the tour, I kind of had like that vertigo, little lightheaded feeling The more times I went up those stairs, the more it progressed. It got more intense every single time. And even that last time that we went up there, I had a huge wave of nauseousness. Once I moved about, I'd say, 12 feet down the hallway towards the other rooms, I felt fine. I recovered. I was doing good. But just in that immediate short portion of that hallway... It just was progressively getting worse and worse every time I had to pass through there. And we're going to play bits from the tour that we did with Joy and share some of the stories that she shares. It seems to me, Kelly, that the most prominent thing that people experience that would be along the lines of something paranormal affecting them is exactly what you're describing there. People feeling nauseous, heady, having a hard time breathing, like something is not wanting them to go somewhere. It's a lot of things that a sensitive person would pick up on, which, you know, I always tell people I'm as sensitive as a rock, which would be why I'm going up and down the (laughs) stairs. And I'm like, there ain't nothing happening here. I don't feel nothing. It's so funny, because every time I've gone into that jail, I've been scared before I go in there. Kind of like how I was with Waverly Hills. Only at least at Waverly Hills, I had enough experiences that I came out and went, wow, that was incredible. I come out of the Charleston jail. And I'm like, that's cool old jail. (laughs) You're like, meh. To me, no different than going through the St. Augustine jail. Right. I mean, I, I told you, I went, if I had to pick between the, all the jails that we've been in thus far, and squirrel I could go back cage. to one, Squirrel Cage Absolutely. is the place I'm going back to. That place was just crazy bonkers with activity. This one... Off the chain. Mm, yeah. <laughs> As the kids would say. Now, that's probably way old school. <laughs> well, it's it's good school for us. We'll yes. just go with off the chain. 
Well, and here's the thing. You're going to have a different experience every time you go into a location because the energy is going to be different and maybe your own personal energy is different. So that's one of the reasons why I keep wanting to go back to McPike Mansion in Alton. That was one of my biggest first experiences and I just was enthralled with the whole thing. Now, I could go back there next year and And not have anything happen. You never know. Well, that's why I've been in the Lent Mansion three times. And I will tell people, I don't think it's haunted. And then I know that Anna went there a few months ago. And sounds like she just had incredible experiences there. Right. And I've heard from other people that they've had things happen. Now, of course, we haven't stayed overnight, which I think could be a big difference. And you haven't investigated. And I have not done a full-on investigation there. So at least at the jail now, I can say I've done an investigation there. Right. As we mentioned... We picked up some black tourmaline. It's a little two by one kind of stone Mm -hmm. while we were at a rock shop. Was it last year? I think it was. I'm trying to remember. It was when I needed my phone lens replaced. Yeah. And so we went down to this little area over in Kissimmee, Florida. And I was like, oh, they have a rock shop. I really want to pick up some black tourmaline because we'd heard that it's good for keeping negative energy away from you. Yes, I think Jessica from Shoes, Booze, and Tattoos was the one that suggested that. Yeah, and I think I'd heard it in a couple other places. And then you had a discussion with Jessica, and she told you, you may not necessarily want to take it into a place with you because it might block you from having any kind of activity going on. Right. And so I put it in the bag that I carry all of our equipment in, was planning on leaving it in the car, (laughs) but I forgot to do that. (laughs) And we're wondering if that's partly what was going on here because I did have the black tourmaline with us in the Marshall house and it didn't keep anything from happening there. No, but it might be the intentions of different energies too. If they're a little bit more negative, maybe because when we were at the jail, I would ask questions with the dowsing rods and we would get an initial couple reactions and they were very definitive. Is there anybody here? And it'd be like, bam, yes. Right. But then as we would move on and begin asking more questions, it would just be gone. And you Mm -hmm. could feel that the energy was just gone. (laughs) During the investigation, I kept wondering, I wonder if they're all following Myra because Myra's been there so many times and had so many experiences. I thought, well, maybe all the spirits are just following her. They're like, hey, Myra, hey, 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 like that mom, mom, mama, mama. (laughs) <laughs> and what was funny is we kept saying, and I don't know how much of the audio we're going to share from the investigation, but we kept saying, we need to go find Myra. We need to go find Myra. Because we kept thinking the spirits would be near her. <laughs> and then we'd wander off into another room and forget right. what we were doing. We thought that there was one of two things going on here. Number one is that maybe we only had one or two spirits. And because there were several people in the building, they were just running around trying to interact with everybody. Or... Because we had the black tourmaline and we had some negative energy coming at us, they would come in initially and be like, yeah, I'm here. And then the black tourmaline would be like, get the hell out of here. We felt like, and it happened, I don't know, five, six, seven times where you'd be like, is there anybody with us? Yes. You'd ask another question and maybe get an answer or get nothing. Right. And then we'd be asking questions. Nothing. Nothing. I mean, those dousing rods weren't moving anywhere. Uh Uh-uh. Not even slightly. No EMF. I put the flashlight down on the floor in the room that had the red light in it, which seemed to have the most activity. And it did turn on once, but it wasn't after, you know, I'd say, can you turn on the light? Well, it turned on about five minutes after I asked to turn on the light. Right. And then they never turned it off, which in our skeptical minds then makes us start going, okay, maybe the flashlight did just turn itself on because nobody's turning it off. Although we could have had what we were experiencing. Somebody came in, turned on the flashlight and got the hell out because they like 
feel the black tourmaline. It, it really felt like they were coming and going, yeah, I'm here. Ooh, I'm getting the hell out of here. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it was really odd. Never had that kind of an experience before. No, and I've heard so much stuff about this place. And then I went back and listened through all the audio that I recorded. Not a single EVP that I seem to have picked up on. Yeah, and just for future reference on a future episode from the USS North Carolina, we also did a bit of the Estes method with the dowsing rods with noise canceling headphones. So I was holding them. You guys were asking questions. So it's not a matter of just your mind controlling them. Mm -mm. You know, maybe some people have that strong of a mind. I certainly don't. (laughs) The other thing that makes me think that the black tourmaline might be having an effect is as Joy was taking us around to the different places, she'd be like, okay, over in this area, there's this thing called the creeper. But I don't really feel him over there today. Right. That's right. There was this one room that she says that she does not like to go into. And it was in this room, for those of you who listen to Pleasing Terrors, that's hosted by Mike Brown. He did a Ouija board session in this room with another couple and Randy, Joy's fiance, was in there too. So the four of them were with this Ouija board. And I encourage you to listen to his episode about that because it's creepy as hell what happens to it. And towards the end of the session, when they decide that they better wrap it up, it starts trying to spell things backwards, which usually indicates that you have a negative energy that's trying to get out of the board or manifest in some way. So she feels like it wasn't really closed out properly and she just doesn't like to go in there. She goes, but I'm going to take you in there tonight. And she walked in there and she's like, huh, nothing's really happening in here tonight. Yeah. And then we went into the warden's quarters where he would live with his family and She says there's always somebody's EMF that gets messed with and that goes crazy. We walk in there, nobody's EMF is going off. So I'm just wondering if we were keeping the negative energy that she usually feels in there too or experiences at bay. Could be. It was just really interesting. And then, of course, after Mike did the widge board session, that is the board that he brought to the live show that we did a week later in Louisville. And then, of course, going home, he had that horrible accident and the Ouija board just disappeared. They don't know whatever happened to it, but it was creepy enough that I wouldn't go anywhere near that thing at the live show. I'm like, (laughs) no. Well, it was kind of a creepy looking Ouija board anyway. Yeah, it had little devils on it and everything. (laughs) I'm like, no. And it was one of those old antique ones. I mean, I'm sure it's really cool for people who collect those things. I'm sure it was a collector's item, but which is probably why it disappeared from the car. I'm sure whoever picked it up snatched it. Good luck to them. (laughs) It clearly was not good luck for Mike. And speaking of the warden and his wife, their children live there too. And Joy said they even would take on boarders. Right. Who would want to board in the jail? jail? And literally that one room, which they would be in their excrement and everything. They would like scrape out the the straw and everything. What? Uh Once every three weeks, I think. Yeah. The floor was just straw that they would just, you know, go wherever. Yeah. And would. We're um, talking about the prisoners. Right. The the prisoners. Yeah. No, not the family. (laughs) But there would be, what did they say, 40 people or 80 people in that little room? Yeah, well, it was supposed to only have 40, and they cut it in two and put 40 on each side, I thought. Right, right. That's what it was. But the warden's living quarters were literally on the other side of a door. 12 inches from death row. Can you imagine? Right. Because it was on two levels. They Mm -hmm. had two levels, and then he had an office that was in the middle of their two main living rooms on each floor. And they would bring the prisoners right in there to talk to them. Right. So they would walk right through their living quarters occasionally. smell. You know? Well, and what she said is you the jail smelled so bad, you could smell it from blocks away. Oh, yeah, yeah. Who would board there? I, I mean, I, I guess if know. you were really destitute in terms of what you could afford, but gosh. All right. So Joy's giving us the tour, and I want to play a bit of the audio from that. 
If at any point in time you feel like you're going to faint, sit. I don't care where we are and I don't care what we're doing. Sit. I would much rather have you sit than watch your face bounce off concrete. Yeah. <laughs> and I've seen that. And it's horrifying. Oh. It really is. Tends to shake joy a little bit. Um, so don't <laughs> bounce off the concrete for me so I don't have to call EMS. I would greatly appreciate that. Um, but also paying attention. A lot of what they've been doing lately is making people feel sick. I literally had this dude that almost from the time that he walked in, he keeps doing this. And I'm like, oh, dear God, don't you have a heart attack on me? I don't know CPR. I see it on TV. I'll try it. But, <laughs> <laughs> I live through it. But, and, and he's doing this, and I'm like, oh, shit. So we get all the way through the building. He comes. He's standing literally where you are right here. He slides down the door. I'm oh. like, pick him up. Get him out of the jail. I, like, run over. I grab a chair. I throw it out the doorway. They grab him and put him in the chair. I grab a bottle of water I have, and this dude is doing this. Mm. And he is completely out of it. I'm like, oh, shit. And so I go, hold on half a second. So I got the other people going doing the stuff. I walk back out to him, and he's still like this. I'm like, it's not far enough away. I go, can you stand up? He goes, I hope so. I go, I hope so, too. Grab his arm, grab around him, take him. He steps over the threshold. He's perfectly fine. Mm. I went, oh, you need it off the property. <laughs> I just took that. I thought maybe off the door was enough. Now, we've actually had people that we've had to take in the middle of the street before. Um, when we restarted doing tours after the lockdown, we had a lady that had to be walked out into the middle of the street before she was okay. So, yeah, sometimes they like to play <laughs> and white it. Come on in, guys. All right, so my whoever was doing coolers in here tonight shut up all the lights. So this will be about the darkest it'll get. We do have motion detected lights, as you see down here. Don't let these freak you out unless they're upstairs and all of us are down here. Then freak out about it. Um, we do have some motion detected lights up there. We also have some um, illuminated exit signs, various places in the building. I'm also going to sneak over here. Sorry, y'all. And open this up. You do have a, a light that stays on the whole time in this staircase. So there will be some lights for you guys. That if you've ever seen Ghost Hunters, Ghost Adventures, Ghost Brothers, or BuzzFeed Unsolved, this is the room that everybody wants to come to. Why? Because this is where we believe Lavinia Fisher, the most infamous prisoner we ever held under at the Charleston Jail, the woman that was labeled America's first female killer, this is where she believed, we believe that she was held. She's got this big legend about her, about her poisoning people with oleander tea, and the hotel that she and her husband uh, ran had disappearing beds and men with hatchets that would chop up bodies, steal from them. Um, now, that's the legend. I don't believe the legend. I always tell on my tours the legend and what I believe is the truth. Why don't I always tell both? Because she is always over there and she's always listening to me. And I don't want to make her mad. Because after you all leave, that is not the time you want to find out. Even me, Lavinia, ain't 
great when you're all alone in this building and nobody is around you. So I always try and stay out of good side. Plus, I don't believe the legend. I don't think she was a serial killer that killed somewhere around a hundred men. I don't believe that she was poisoning them. I think that the, the gang that she and her husband belonged to used her as bait because she was beautiful. Said to be the most beautiful woman that most people had ever seen in their lives. I believe that they caught all the murders on her because they didn't think that South Carolina would execute a married white woman for murder. They didn't. They executed her for highway robbery. Um, she's also called the first white female ever hanged in Charleston. Absolutely not true. And some people don't believe that she was white. Some people believe that she was a mulatto or mixed race slave that John Fisher's uncle had purchased. John got a little too friendly with her. He sold her to a doctor here in the Charleston area and John followed him. So that's kind of the version that I believe. I don't believe she killed anybody. I think she was a thief. Sadly, at that point in time, they did execute thieves. Now, after they were convicted, not a murder, because they couldn't prove all these hundreds of murders, they just got up for highway robbery. But I think after that, they locked him in a cell that was right back there in that. What was that? That was right back there in that, that corner. Um, it said request, okay. So I think that they were held right back here. Why? Because this window, this window, and the one up on the third floor are where people still to this day from magazine or walking around the building see a woman trapped in the jail. They call the police all the time. The police don't even bother coming. Why? They know there's no floors over here. There's no way a live woman could be seen over there. So they don't even show up anymore. They also very nicely in the very beginning told us to, uh, the police asked us to remove our motion detected alarms because they went off all night long. My boss still gets false alarms from this building all the time. And it isn't people trying to get in, it's people trying to get out. All right, what did it say? Where is, and then it said black. Okay, let's go this way, guys. Oh, real quick, lock your person or persons lock them but put your person so a person in this cell and take pictures from the outside sometimes we get a white mist in here hmm. um we also have a very tall figure that sometimes is back here he is not nice um he's about seven feet tall or so as a skeleton color covered by yellow peeling skin and he looks like he has grinch fingers really creepy dude He's called the collector. We think he comes in and collects souls of the condemned um, or the prisoners that were in here and takes them on to their next stop. They don't like him. So usually if he's in the building, I can tell when I walk in because all of the energy is really frantic. I don't feel him here tonight, so you should be okay over here. Please do not use that spiral staircase. I don't know the last person that walked on it. I don't want any of you nice folks falling through it, okay? So just leave that stairwell alone. Um, did you find a cold spot? <laughs> I think it moved from here over there. Yeah, and it came, it came through me too. So. Yeah, okay. Just, just saying. So what you guys heard there is that we all felt this unusually cold spot. I was the first one who felt it. And for me, 
Other than the flashlight turning on by itself that one time, this is the only thing that I felt that was kind of weird. Now, it was a little chilly that evening. And get, the windows were open. And, and this is Diane feeling chilly. <laughs> Needing to be in her parka. So I had... she's up in Alaska. <laughs> I had a sweatshirt and my winter jacket on. Uh, I don't think anybody else needed that. And I was closest to the window, but I still would say I was probably about eight feet away from the window. I would say you were even further. I would say you were closer to 20 feet. You were pretty far away. From I was pretty far away. And I, I felt what felt like this cold, like right next to me. And I looked over my shoulder and I'm like, well, the window's there. It's probably just coming from the window. So I didn't think anything about it or say anything about it. But then as you hear, Ken did something that indicated to Joy that something was going on. And he tells her, oh, I feel a cold spot here. Well, Ken was probably about six feet towards the front of me. More than that, because I was in between. And then you were in between us. And that's when you said, oh, well, I felt what felt like a cold spot go by me. And then I jumped in and said, well, then it started here because I felt it about five minutes ago. Now, when you felt it, did you feel it up high or did you just feel it down low? Um, or do you recall? What, the place that I mostly noticed it was on my hand. Right. And that's where I noticed it on myself, too. And I was just okay. wearing a lightweight sweatshirt. Okay. Um, but I notice it at my hand level, you know, just standing there with my hands And this down. is the first time you and I have discussed where we felt it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then that's kind of the reaction that Ken was doing. He was like feeling around with his hand. That's really in, interesting in that we lower... were all feeling it in the exact same place then. Right. So I'm wondering if it was, if it were to be a spirit, I'm guessing it could have been Alonzo, the spirit of a little boy that was actually on death row he was playing with his friends and they got on an old trolley car that was just sitting idle mm -hmm. and they were messing around on it and apparently somebody released the brake it goes rolling down a hill and actually hits an older man and kills him and so when they were being asked who caused this accident etc cetera, etc cetera, we don't even know for sure if Alonzo was the one mm -hmm. who caused it if he actually released the brake or what have you to make it go. But he took responsibility brain, for it, yeah. essentially. And so he did end up being put to death. Um, but his spirit is said to be there. And he was, what, 11, 11 years old? And he was in with all the men. Right. Can you imagine? And I don't know that he was put to death, but they think he died there because... That's right. That's right. I mean, an 11-year-old with all these men in jail. Right. <laughs> Probably didn't go well for him. So I hadn't even thought about the fact that that could have been Alonzo going around to each one of us. Yeah, because I, I didn't feel it up high. Like, no, I didn't have goosebumps on my neck from a cold breeze or anything like that. I just felt it strictly around my hand. And when I looked over at Ken right after that, he was moving his hand around at mm -hmm. a whatever waist is, level, thigh, thigh level, waist mm -hmm. level. And then that's when Joy and Myra started questioning about it. OK, interesting, because I didn't even see the interaction that was going on. I just uh, heard him say that. And then you said what you said. And then I said what I said. And like you said, and the window, the window was, they're tall. They weren't low. No. And the they're ground. tall they were up higher. So you would think that if, if a breeze came through your whole body's be, going yeah, to feel it. Would it. Be, and especially with you with short hair, mm -hmm. you'd be back feeling of my it. Neck. Yeah. You'd be feeling it up around your head. Yeah. And so forth. So very interesting. I love it when we talk about this stuff, like <laughs> when we're recording, because it's not set so can't, it's like can't get any more real than that yeah, it's just like we were talking about the Velisca axe murder house and you're like well i saw these little white streaks going right. across the ceiling i'm like right. oh my god i didn't even mention that to <laughs> you like because i thought oh i'm just really saying that right 
And so all of a sudden we realized we both saw the same thing. So I just love it when that happens because then that makes me think maybe there was something going on there. Yeah, could have been. I mean, it's really easy as an open-minded skeptic to explain it away to the window. But, you know, when I started thinking about it, I'm like, well, wait a minute. Where did you feel it? (laughs) So our tour continued and we have a few of the highlights that we're going to play here. Um, most of the time, at least here in Charleston, we didn't know their identities. And they would literally take the executioner, wrap them in a sheet, and carry them out to the gallows. So nobody would know their identity. Isn't that insane? I was yeah. like, really? <laughs> Alright, so this was also used as the morgue. This is where they would store the dead body. Because sometimes you're killing people outside and you gotta have a place to put them. You also got prisoners that are dying here of violence or disease or suicide. So you gotta have a place to stack them. And I always envisioned that they would just stack them here in this corner until a big wagon came up to those wood doors and carried the dead out to take them to a potter's field or a pauper's field. That's where the cities buried their poor criminal. At that time, both free and enslaved people of color were buried there as well. By the way, there was a potter's field underneath this. Okay, that's the creepy voice I was talking about. What did it just say? Horrible. Um, there was a potter's field underneath this building that they buried people in for about a hundred years. Is there somebody behind you? Mm-hmm. Oh, they just walked behind me too. Hi, whoever you are. That is chilly, chilly, chilly on my butt. <laughs> they do sometimes. You gotta watch out. They get a little handy in here. So analyzing was one of the mental patients, whether through a disability or torture from the guard, animal doesn't walk upright. He crawls around on all fours, hence the name animal. Plus he told us that was his name one night. He'll come up and rub against the back of your leg, kind of like your dog or cat does when you get home, if he likes you. Sadly, there's another entity in this hallway that kind of likes to mock animal. He's not nice. Not at all. So what people see is him dart down the hallway. If he doesn't like you, he'll grab your ankle, and people have actually heard him growl as they walk along here. That's always a thing with me. I'm so glad we don't have smell-o-vision here. I'm glad we're not Disney. Because it would be disgusting. <laughs> it would be real disgusting. All right. Everybody else heard that, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. I've been hearing have you? folks and knocks and stuff. Okay, that's the first thing I've heard. I don't hear stuff a lot. I think it's because I'm always what talking. What did you hear? Like I'm, I'm talking and so oh. I don't hear stuff like that. But, yeah, there's somebody upstairs. I don't know who it is. That's the back of the second floor. So who knows who that could be? So there's a lady on the second floor with my friend Brian, and she goes like this, and she's looking at him. She's like, and he's like, holy shit, what's going on? So he's like, are you okay? And she's like, and he's like, all right, I gotta get her out of the building. So he brings her down and gets her hair, and she's still like this. So he's like, all right. So he takes her outside. Then he takes her past the threshold. She's still not okay. He takes her out into the middle of the street. She can talk. She said, 
there's somebody up on the third floor that doesn't like me. He's pissed y'all her back. He came down, grabbed me by the throat, and wouldn't let me go. Wow. Yeah. And I was like, mm -hmm, no way, dude. <laughs> and then, this is even scarier. So, so my friend, um, his girlfriend is, is, um, psychic and, and possibly a medium, but more empath psychic. And she's like, he walks around you, Joy, but he won't touch you. Hmm. And I said, really? And she goes, he's scared of you. Really? <laughs> so, I like that. So, Kelly, I really didn't play much from our investigation because, like I said, there wasn't really much that we caught. Right. Yeah. And like I said, if you could want, because I there was a spirit there called Animal. Mm -hmm. He was of a reduced mental capacity and he would skitter around basically on all fours. Mm -hmm. And so Joy had explained how he's very often in this one location. And I just felt drawn to go to that area and talk with him. And again, it was a couple of quick reactions with the dowsing rods and then nothing. You know, the other issue, too, is, like I said, we had this from midnight to 2 a.m. So we had two hours and Joy did such a thorough tour. We were on that for 45, probably. Right. And she had a, a meter that she had in her, like a phone app that was kind of like ghost radar where it would say words. Mm -hmm. And we were getting some unusual words here and there, nothing that made me think that we were actually having any kind of communication. We didn't see anything or anything like that. And then, so we basically had an hour and 15 minutes and the jail is rather large. There's it a is. lot of rooms. And so... Maybe we, not enough time Yeah, we just didn't have enough time to really hang out and spend some time. Right. So that would be one of the reasons why I would say, you know, we didn't get a whole lot of inf evidence or anything like that. Because as people will hear, I believe I'm going to save some of the audio from the USS North Carolina when we were on there with the ghost hunters. You and I got to hang out with Rochelle and Brian. And you get to find out about the behind the scenes. And, you know, they're saying, well, here we are just doing a few hours. When they do a location, sometimes they do the whole week. Right. And they're doing 10 14. hours a day or more. I think they said 14 hours. Yeah. So, I mean, day. they're like, it's just a lot of immersion that you're getting with that. And I think that really makes a difference. Or like if you have a place that you can go back to over and over and over again, you get more of a scientific feel, I would think, from what you're doing. Exactly. And you can you can build on what you experience each time if you're experiencing anything. Exactly. And because part of the problem, too, is parametric pressure could come into play. Is that partly what you're feeling with sure. a storm that could be coming? So that's why you got to just take into account everything that's going on. Yep. Every little detail. But as we like to do here, Kelly, we always leave this up to the listeners. Indeed. If you're ever in Charleston, you really must stay at the 1837 Bed and Breakfast. It's a great place. Very neat. It's within walking distance of a lot of the old Charleston stuff that you'd want to go hang out and see. And you have to see the old Charleston jail at least once. And we do know they do have it through the end of this year. And that's 2020. This is true. Who knows what the future <laughs> will bring? It's still been open for two years after I thought it was going to close. So maybe it will continue to be open. I can't really see what else they're going to do with it because they're not refurbishing it in any way that I can see. No, I, I didn't see anything that looked like they had been working on it. So, so get knows? over there and get a tour maybe before it closes this year. And of course, 
as you guys will hear, a lot of when we're talking is muffled and everything because we're wearing masks and we're being socially distanced. So you can do investigations safely still. Absolutely. You don't just have to stay home. You can still go out there and have fun. Just do it safe. And, you know, you and I are back home and I feel perfectly fine. So do I. Are these locations haunted? That is for you to decide. We want to encourage you guys to check out our website at historyghostbump.com. And if you want to send us some feedback, you can do that at historyghostbump at gmail.com. For our executive producers, we have the Christmas mailing coming up. So make sure if you are over on Patreon that your current address is there because that is where we will be mailing your stuff. Also make sure that you are active there, which means that you haven't been declined because you need to update your payment information. There are a few of you who've been declined several times now. So you're not going to be on our active list to get that out. So make sure you get all of that stuff updated. You have a couple of weeks to do it before we send that out. For those of you over on PayPal, I've already sent out an email to all of you. If you don't get that email or whatever, just make sure you email us your current address. Otherwise, I'll be sending it to an old one and then it'll come back to me and I won't be able to get you your stuff. And it's really cool this year. We have an exclusive (laughs) magnet. Just like last year, we did an exclusive magnet. This is another exclusive magnet. It is not available to anybody except for executive producers. And we have a wonderful postcard that Barnaby and Mort put together for you guys, too, that you will really love. We want to thank Scott for his email. He said, hi, just found your podcast tonight. I've only heard one episode, but I'm already hooked. Keep up the good work. Awesome. Look at that, Kelly. Got him in one snap. That's like (laughs) taking a, you're going out fishing and you catch a fish the first time you throw the hook into the water. Hopefully he listened to the most current episode. Well, I don't know, but (laughs) they're all wonderful. Yes, I agree. And then we have one of our executive producers is an ER doctor. And she emailed me about our discussion on erysipelas which is also known as saint anthony's fire and she said we had a nice discussion on that they actually still see this in the emergency department it's a well demarcated area of cellulitis on the face that can cause sepsis if not treated yikes which is exactly why it would have killed people especially back during the civil war so i also recently received a message from my good friend geo lisa who is a geologist and she's in southern california um, we had been talking about a sedimentary rock and we pronounced it nice, but it's actually pronounced nice. I can't believe we said it wrong. We never say anything <laughs> Shocking, wrong. I know. <laughs> and sh- then she sent the little, the more you know, star. With the, oh, very <laughs> the good. Shooting star gif along with that. <laughs> well, very cool. We'll be so sure thank to you, Geo. Yes, we'll be sure to say it right in the future. I don't know if it'll ever come up again, but she actually said that um, we had described it right, that it. It did, ha- did kind of look similar to granite and that kind of thing, which is why they would have used it because it looked like granite until they realized this stuff is hard to cut. Indeed. We also had one of our listeners who's also an executive producer stay overnight at the Myrtles Plantation for two days. Nice. And she let us know a little bit about that. She said, well, my two days at the Myrtles is over. I really enjoyed it. I can't say I'm a real investigator, but I did some EVPs and got a possible child voice faint, but definitely there. Would love to hear that, Tracy. Send that to us. Definitely. I had nothing significant happen. My friend that was with me got scared. She went to walk out by herself at night when things are quiet to walk downstairs and look at the mirror, which is supposedly haunted. She was standing at the top about to walk down and she heard children giggle. There were no children staying at the Myrtles the last two days that we were there. So I don't know where those children's giggles would be coming (laughs) from. We had private access to the staircase and the mirror. So nobody else was around. I know it scares her enough to not be able to go downstairs alone, LOL. I would definitely go back for another visit. It's rustic but nice, and you can't help but get spooked. 
Next time I'll be more prepared to do an actual investigation. I did some investigating, but mostly enjoyed the history and grounds for vacation time. I've done three plantation homes this trip, the Whitney, the Laura, and the Myrtles Plantation. Louisiana is a great place to visit for history nerds. Is the Myrtles Plantation haunted? That is for you to decide. Love it. (laughs) Wow. uh, I don't think I've ever heard of the Laura. I have not either. No. We'll have to check that out. I believe we did an episode on the Whitney. We've done so many, I forget these days. Yeah, only 300 and some odd along with, you know, how many? Over 100. Actually, we're up to about 200 of the bonus cast, too. Right. So I've probably done about 550 episodes, maybe more. (laughs) So, yeah. Gee, I don't know why you can't keep it categorized in your mind. (laughs) Good grief. And then Joanne Mayo was sharing with us in the Spooktacular crew about her visit with Robert the doll. And when she she shared about that, she shared a picture that made us all go, oh, my God, (laughs) because she is standing behind him. Mugging for the camera. Mugging for the camera. (laughs) Putting her hand up. We're all like, oh, my God, did you ask if you could take that picture? She was like, no. So here's what she shares. By popular demand, the tale of Spooky Joe and Robert. In July 2016, I and my 16-year-old daughter Gwyneth visited Robert. We were Robert fans, but not to the point of being worried about visiting him. We knew he was spirit infested. However, we come from a long maternal line of ghost magnet Scottish second sight. So we've seen and experienced just about everything, plus growing up in haunted houses. We don't scare easily, most of the time. The museum was practically empty on that hot afternoon. So we had Robert pretty much to ourselves for as long as we wanted. The Martello Museum is haunted anyway, but the negative atmosphere from the room where Robert is on display was so strong that we could feel it several rooms away like a fan. Wow. So it felt like it was blowing at them, I guess. Wow. I knew about asking for permission, but I told the spirit that if it chose to hide inside of a doll, then I was going to treat it like a doll. I wasn't going all Zach on it and trying to entice it. I don't do that. (laughs) I just wasn't going to play its control game as if we need to give it respect. At one point, I saw the doll's head turn toward me just a smidge, It was so small that most people wouldn't have noticed it. I saw it and thought, oh bleep. An hour later, Gwyneth, who had been perfectly healthy, suddenly came down with a high temperature and the stomach flu. I dropped her at our rented home and I drove out to get some meds for her. It was a beautiful sunny day. I parked my van in a big parking lot to Google some drugstores on my phone. Suddenly out of the blue, a terrible storm hit out of nowhere. I opened my van door to walk to the store and the parking lot had flooded to the point that water was seeping into my van. What the bleep? I decided to drive home and go on the med run after the weather cleared. A few minutes later, in the middle of US-1, a blast of wind blew my driver's side windshield wiper off. Again, what the bleep? I had to drive with my head hanging out my open window like a dog with wind and rain blasting me through a blinding downpour. And for those of you who have never visited Florida or don't live here, I mean, when she says a blinding downpour, she's not kidding. Yeah, it happens. (laughs) She probably was like soaked more than just to the bone, probably like having buckets of water dumped on your head over and over again. I don't know how she drove. I was praying out loud and couldn't believe that I made it to the house without an accident. You should have seen me trying to back that big van into the narrow driveway. Logic would argue that Gwyneth was probably exposed to a flu and Key West does have crazy storms with flash floods. But within an hour of my telling Robert I wasn't playing his doll game. So was this a curse from Robert the doll? That That is for you you to to decide. decide. They both put that. I love it when you guys do that. (laughs) So, oh my gosh. So, I mean, I guess she didn't really, I wouldn't say she asked permission. She was like, I'm not playing that permission game. It sounds that way. 
I would say if you're going to go, I don't think I would take a picture of Robert the Doll. I am just a little too superstitious for that, even though I am a skeptic. But I definitely would ask permission if I was going to do it. I would probably ask permission and take one. Yeah. He is one of those dolls. You know, we always talk about dolls being scary and it's I I kind of overdo it with that because I'm really not afraid of dolls. But he is one that I'd be a little bit nervous to be around. Yeah, he he definitely has that creep factor going. I don't want any bad luck in my life. Yeah, aside from the the curse. (laughs) I might keep that black tourmaline in my bag if I went to go visit Robert. Yeah, I think that that would be a prudent decision. We want to thank you guys for tuning in to this episode. I've been your host, Diane. And this has been Kelly. You take care now. Bye-bye. This episode is brought to you by our executive producers. Dispatches from the Grave Digger. First, we want to thank Jenny Rains for your second one-time donation. We also want to thank Cindy Pierce for upping your contribution. We'll be moving you under a marble headstone. And Melody Hasek, we're going to move you under an obelisk tombstone for your increase in donation. And then welcoming into the cemetery for the first time, Laurel Springlemeyer. Hope I said that right. We're going to be putting you in a chest tomb. And Kyle Von End, we're going to be putting you into a garden tomb. Awesome. Thank you so much, you guys, for supporting HGB. We can't do this show without the support of our executive producers. So we really appreciate you. Sweet dreams. Moment in Oddity was suggested by Scott. B- Already. If you. <laughs> Squeakers! If you would like to give this a whirl, you need. <laughs> Hold on, we have somebody squeaking in the background. <laughs> Ball up. Mo- <laughs> you can use warm water to remove the hardened web later. Lovely. <laughs> But you have to admit the thought of using spiderweb as a bandage certainly is odd. And disgusting. And you know how I feel about spiders. <laughs> so having one of their spider webs in one of my wounds, I just don't know. Yeah, that that's a little bit much. But you always feel like you have spider webs on you. And why is that? Because your hair. <laughs> your hair is it's always everywhere. on me. <laughs> I shed. In the month of November, on the 9th. <clears throat> We're a flummy pair this morning. We are a flummy pair. <laughs> Bodo- bodozers. Bodozers. They we got some, get some bodozers. We got some bodozers over there. <laughs> Want to encourage you guys to check out our website at historygoesbump at gmail.com. Want to encourage you guys to check out our... What's that? I screwed it up. I screwed up. <laughs> Because that's where we 
that because 